I think it's a, a true observation that today, more than days of old, we live in a world of words. It's an age of books, it's an age of blogs, social media, music, and, and we, we communicate in all sorts of ways today. Maybe not differently, but it's much more available. It doesn't have to be words. It can be, it can be pictures. It can be other things, but we live in a world where more than ever, we are communicating our ideas. I know there's a lot of good from that. It's really good that, that we are able to, to communicate like, like we haven't in the past. At the same time, I do have to wonder if those good things that we have if they're not outweighed by the bad things that have come from it. I mean, there's a reason for that, I think. It's really a main idea of the sermon that we're going to get to in a minute. But for now, I want you to think about this. It does seem to be very, very true that we human beings, we have a tendency to take good things... We have a tendency to mess them up. Wouldn't you say that? Take a good thing and and sometimes abuse it or use it in, in a way that it wasn't intended to be used and something ends up being less than positive. You think about all, all the, the words that we are speaking right now. We're able to communicate like we've never communicated before, but it does seem like a lot of people today are more offended than they were 20 or 30 years ago, right? Everybody seems to be, in in some measure, angry, right? The more we talk, the more we can hurt other people. Sometimes it's valid, sometimes it's not, but we do seem to be a little more frustrated maybe than we have in the past. I say all this for two reasons, about words, because our our passage is about the tongue and the things that we say or the things that we communicate. This passage really does remind us that we're all in this together as human beings. It's a universal issue. Uh, it's It's a universal idea that we can communicate. We can communicate unlike any other created thing. I know, I know, dolphins communicate and porpoises communicate and there's all sorts of communication that takes place with my dog, but we're different, right? We speak in different ways, but we speak. The other reason I'm saying this is because you will have a tendency, because this is a universal issue, you sitting out there today, just like me, you're going to have a tendency to think this is about everybody else, right? I, I do hear it quite often, oh, I wish so-and-so were here to hear that sermon, right? They really needed to hear that. I hope my wife is listening. I hope my husband is listening. I hope my children are listening. I hope my parents are listening. 
This passage that we're about to read, while it will be easy to think about the rest of the world, this is directed to us as individuals. We, I, you, we need to hear what James has to say, or really what God has to say to us through James. So let's read this passage together from from God's Word, James chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, you can open it up. If you don't, it's printed for you in your bulletins. James 3, we're going to read verses 1 through 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, also able to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also, though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. The tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life. And set on fire by hell. Every kind of beast and bird, reptile, sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, this is... uh, This is a passage that will hit all of us here this morning. It addresses us as human beings. It addresses us as Christians. It addresses us as um, unbelievers. It addresses your people. It addresses the world. And I ask that you would speak to us, not through my words, but through your word. I pray that uh, your word would penetrate our hearts. I pray that we would look to you this morning. And I pray that you would respond. I pray that you would change us. That you would redirect our lives. That you would help us to see truth. That you would work this hour in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're in chapter 3 of our sermon, in our sermon series in James. There is a break between chapter 2 and 3, but I don't want you to think that what James is saying as he picks up on um, this, this idea of words and our tongue, I don't want you to think that it's disconnected from what he said before. Because if you'll go back and you'll read or you'll think about the sermons that we've already had in James 1 and 2, you will realize that James has talked a lot about the word, the implanted word, the word of truth. 
who is, of course, Jesus Christ. He's the Word who's become flesh. He's the living Word. And and what James has said in chapter 1 is that from the Word, from God's Word, from God's Son, that He has come to His people, that He's working in the lives of His people in the churches that James is writing to. He's not only working to save them initially, but but God's implanted word is working through their lives so that they will be transformed, so that they will be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. God is working through that implanted word so that, for instance, the end of chapter 1, we won't only be hearers of the word, but we will be doers of the word. That, that what we hear spoken to us, it will, it will impact the things that we do. It will change the way that we interact with rich and poor people. Changes everything. Not only that, James gets to the end of chapter 2 and he says, the implanted word means that our faith will result in certain actions. He says, faith without works is dead. Genuine faith is a living faith. And now he gets to chapter 3 and he says, basically he says it all begins with what we say. It all begins with the mouth. So this morning what I want to do do is simply address three questions. I want us to see, for for all of us, okay? Because I know we have a lot of visitors here today. We have a lot of visitors, I think, every day. Um, I know many of you are Christians And I know many of you are not. This passage is directed at primarily God's people, but it has something to say to everybody. So we're going to talk this morning first, why do our words matter? Why do the things that we say matter? That's number one. Number two, what do our words show us? What do they reveal? And not really what they reveal as much as... um, Show us our predicament. And then lastly, what do we do with that? Why our words matter? What do our words show us? And then what can we do? So first, our words matter. Let me me give it to you all in one summary statement and then we'll go through it. Our words matter because they mean something. Our words matter because they're powerful. And our words matter because they reveal what's on the inside of us. Okay? First, our words are like tools. They have meaning. They're supposed to work. Our words are supposed to work for us. And our words, the way we communicate, are supposed to work for other people. He begins in verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. And, he, and he, he brings up teachers here probably because if you read chapters 1 and 2, there, there are problems with some of the teachers in some of these churches that he is writing to. I mean, they may not be using their words as effectively as they need to. They may be, they may be sending messages like some, somebody may be saying, well, you have faith and I have works. And James has to correct them. So he, he begins by saying, teachers we can see that they use their words and they have meaning. 
And then he, then he moves quickly out of teachers and then he goes to everybody. He begins with those who teach are accountable for what they say. And the reason why teachers are accountable for what they say is because they use words. And words are supposed to do something. Words are supposed to work. And words work because they have meaning. It's like a a gardener who uses a hoe to till up his garden. A teacher or a human being will use his words to accomplish something. They are meaningful. They are tools. They do something because they have a purpose. It's it's not like words are magical. I mean, we've, we've... it, particularly in Christian circles, we were talking about this last week. In Christian circles, we do run across people that, that will kind of say, oh, don't say that, right? Or, or say that, as if words have this magical power. That's not what James is saying. James is saying you're to speak certain things or not speak certain things because behind the words is meaning, Verse 2, he says, if we use them as they were meant to be used, they would show us to be perfect. We would be perfect, but we all stumble in many ways. And if we didn't stumble in how we use our words, then then we would have no problems. Now, I I thought about this. Do, Do I have to... Do I have to make the case that any of you, to include this man here... Do I have to make the case to you that you're not perfect? Because it'll take about 10 minutes. And I'm not sure that I really need to waste that time. I mean, even the world readily confesses that nobody is perfect. You hear it all the time, right? We know that we are not perfect because we don't use our words correctly. We may do some things right. We may even say a lot of things right, but Talk enough and you'll mess it up, right? Words matter because they have meaning. That's the first idea. Secondly, words matter because they are powerful. In verses 3 through 5, we see the great influence that words have. And James gives us two illustrations of the power of words. He uses a bit that controls a horse, right? You put a little bit in a horse's mouth, and you can control where it goes and what it does, if you know what you're doing. It's like a rudder controlling, directing, and guiding a ship. So our tongues, even though they are small, it boasts of great things. In other words, the tongue can do big things, and, 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 and let's, it's not necessarily bad. The tongue directs the course of our life. The point is this. The things that we say to ourselves, the things that we say to other people, the things that other people say to us, they will lead us in a specific direction just like, just like a bit leads a horse somewhere, just like a rudder leads a ship somewhere. They are powerful. 
When we speak truth to ourselves, we can be led in the direction of truth. When we speak falsehood to ourselves, we can be led into a false or fake world. You you all do understand, you've seen this work out in people's lives. If you keep saying certain things to yourself or you continue to hear from other people certain things said about you, eventually you start believing it or wondering if it's true. It can be good or it can be bad. Words are powerful. We can offer up living words and give life. We can offer up words of death and we can hurt people. This has implications for all of life. I I do need you to understand that, that if you keep telling... Here's a good one. If you keep telling yourself here this morning... That, oh, you're tired because you had to move your clocks up, and that's all you're thinking about. I can guarantee you're going to be tired. If you didn't think about it this morning, it probably wouldn't have phased you. Words move us, they direct us, they lead us somewhere. They are powerful. You can ask any pastor, you can ask anybody who talks with a lot of people, the words that people have spoken to you in the past make you wonder where you're going. Direct your life in a particular way. So words, words matter because they have meaning behind the words Words matter because they are powerful, they direct us, and then lastly, words matter because they reveal what's inside of our hearts. They indicate, listen to this, the words that we speak indicate the reality of our internal lives. Look at verse 6. When he says in verse 6, the tongue is set among our members, literally, he is saying the tongue constitutes the rest of our being. Do you hear that? Let me give you an example. Because if, if you watch sports, like I, I like sports. Uh, I like movies. I, I like to, I, I even watch the news. I don't like the news, but I watch the news. And every once in a while, I am intrigued to watch famous people, whether they be politicians, whether they be movie stars, whether they be athletes. And every once in a while, it's not once in a while, quite often, they'll say something that they get in trouble for, right? They say something that they shouldn't have said, and more times than not, they'll end up calling a news conference, or they'll have some interaction with a media outlet, and they will end up saying something like this, and they do it all the time. They'll say something like, I don't know what got into me. They'll say, oh, I'm really, really sorry. That's just not me. That's not who I am. Do you realize that James is contradicting that? That's exactly who they are. And I'm not throwing stones because, remember, we're not here to talk about them. We're here to talk about us. And we've done it too, have we not? Oh, honey, I'm sorry, I really didn't mean that. Yeah, I did. 
The tongue is a fire. It is a world of unrighteousness. It's set on fire. It sets on fire the, the entire course of life. It's set on fire by hell. It means it's set on fire by a place of death. No human being can tame the tongue because we can't tame our hearts. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Think about this. At your worst moment, whether you be afraid, whether you are angry, whether you are hurt or stressed, whatever it is that comes out of your mouth is revealing what's in your heart. Think about that just driving down Atlanta Highway. I got a bad heart. One of the things that that I want to draw your attention to is this is what's, it's not very comforting, is it? Is it comforting? Are you comforted now? I don't know. It's a little comforting. You want to know why? Look around. Everybody has this problem. Everybody. You and I. It's like, it's like I, I have a bad heart, but so do you. And I know I don't see you that often, and you usually say nice things to me. But if I lived with you, you'd say some mean things to me, and vice versa. This passage is the great equalizer that, that we are not alone. Believer, unbeliever, Christian brother and sister, friend, neighbor, whatever it is, our words matter because they have meaning. Our words are powerful. They direct the course of our lives. Have you ever thought about that? It le- they lead you somewhere. And our words reveal what's deep down in our hearts. So, so what does this mean for us? Simply stated, this is point number two, simply stated, the best that we can say about ourselves is we're a muddled mess, right? We are duplicitous people, right? We speak in two ways, good and bad, and we do it all the time together. We're, we're, we're not integrated wholes. You, you do realize if, if you read through James and you read it over and over, one of the things that James is trying to explain to, to the people in his churches are we're broken, we're divided, we're not integrated. And therefore, if we're not integrated, if we're not whole, we're not going to be men and women of integrity, Verse 9, he says, with our words we bless God and with our words we curse man. From the same mouth, from the same person comes blessings and cursing. And James says, and he says to all of us, he says, these things ought not to be so. He says, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. He says, does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? He says, no, does a fig tree bear olives? Does a grapevine bear figs? No. He says, neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. These things are not the way it's supposed to be. Verse 7, he's already alluded back to how we were created to be. 
Remember he says every kind of beast and bird, every kind of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed. By the way, he's not talking about taming or training your dog. He's not talking about a circus. He's talking about a fact that man, by by virtue, is being created in the image of God, that he is unique, that he is the pinnacle of the created order, that in the beginning he was called to name the animals And God gave man words to rule over creation in a way that honored and glorified him. That's the way it was supposed to be. That we would use our words to give life. And then he says, or he refers back to the garden. And we know from Genesis 1 and 2 and 3 that this serpent comes about. It's a reptile, by the way, that's not supposed to speak. But standing behind that reptile is Satan, and he speaks. He uses words, but not the way they were intended to be used. He uses them to manipulate and deceive, and from there we see the root and the source of our problem because Adam and Eve, mankind, who represented us, they believe the words of Satan instead of the words of God. And from there, everything is not the way it's supposed to be. Our wells have become corrupt. Man has fallen. Man has sinned. The image of God, while it's not totally destroyed or erased, it's terribly marred. And it's deformed. And it's warped. And even though man can still do good things with his word, he can also do great evil. And James says, brothers and sisters, this should not be. It's not the way it's supposed to be. So what, is the, what do the words show us here? If anything can show us our great need, even our wickedness, if we're going to be honest, if anything could show us the predicament of human sin and our plight, It's going to be our words. Because look, it doesn't matter where you came from this morning. It doesn't matter what kind of family you were raised in. Because everybody here, our words will show us how mean we can be, how wicked we can be, and how evil we could be. Let me give you an illustration. We have, it's in June sometime, we have vacation Bible school. And, and to be quite frank with you, there's a lot of activity that goes on at Vacation Bible School, and it's not very peaceful, right? But it's a lot of fun, and those kids have a lot of fun, and everything's directed towards those kids. We want them to have fun so that we can share Jesus to them, and, and, and they can experience life. But it, but it never fails. If you're one of the teachers, or if you get to stand around and watch these little seven and eight and nine-year-old children talk to each other, they're really cute. They're really nice. But if you listen to what they say, some of those children can be just downright mean. They can be downright mean. And if you're a seven-year-old here this morning, you know it even, right? Our words... Put us all in the same boat, whether you're young or old, believer, unbeliever, whether you're rich or poor, whether you have all those those manners or you don't know how to act. Our words reveal the problem that we can't fix ourselves. We can try. We might get a little bit better. We might be able to cut us off from all sorts of people so they don't know what's in our hearts. But the truth of the matter is we can't fix the past 
And let's be honest, we're not going to do it in the future. We need help. We need help. I need help. You need help. We can't fix ourselves. The help must come from the outside. You with me? What are we to do? I'm making the assumption, and I believe it's true, and I know it's not totally, completely true, but I do believe most people that we meet with, they want to be a people or a type of person who pours forth from their lives words of life. Don't we want to be a force for good in this world? I know if you're a Christian, you're supposed to be. And even unbelievers that I meet, they they want to be good. They want to do good in this world. The problem is the source from which our words come are polluted. And as Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what are we to do? If you're a believer here this morning, you only have one thing to do. It's kind of interesting. If you're a believer, God limits your choices so that you can only do one thing, but it enables you to be terribly free. If you're a believer, James has already said, if anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously. So if if you are seeking wisdom in how to use your tongue, James says, all you have to do is ask God and he will give generously to you without reproach. You know what that means, without reproach? If you ask God for wisdom in how you use your words, that means he's not mad at you for the way you used your words yesterday. He's not even disappointed in you in how you used your words yesterday. Or how you will use your words tomorrow. He's not angry with you. He says, you can come to me because out of God's own will, James says, he has brought us forth. He has implanted his word in our hearts and the wellspring of our life has been changed. We have been created anew. We are being renewed and we look to Christ because he has taken up residence in our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. We've been united to him. And listen, what you have to do, because if you're from a different church background, you're going you're gonna to think that I was going to tell you to modify your words, Right? I'm not telling you to modify your words. I'm telling you to go to the living word and listen to the living word and to look to the living word because he's the one that has the words of life. And as you rest in those words of life, he will change your words. It doesn't mean you won't sin tomorrow. It doesn't mean that you won't mess it up tomorrow. But that living word that is planted in you is bearing fruit and you continue to look to him. He is the wellspring of your life and he will work in you. So, so, so I would say like this, as we look to him, as we look to his work, as we look to his person, you know what? We hear words of truth. We hear words of peace. We hear words of goodness. And everything that applied to our words, they have meaning, they have power, they reveal what's in our hearts. The words of Christ that's implanted in you, they have meaning, they have power, and they reveal now what's truly in your heart, and it's Jesus Christ, and it changes the way you speak. That's powerful. Not, not only that, if you're a Christian... In this world of many words, you are now able, you now have the resources to show forth mercy to those people who will not use their words for good. This is really important in our world today. Because God, because you have been filled with God's truth, because he is at work in your lives, because that implanted word of truth has been written over you, the false worlds of the words of the world have no power over you. Do, do you understand that? 
God's word implanted in our hearts not only rules the words that we speak and think, God's word rules other people's words. You have all the resources that you need to take the angry words of the world and and transform them into something beautiful. It doesn't mean that untruth becomes truth. It means you are now empowered to speak truth in a world of untruth. And only Christians can do that. You now have the spiritual power and the resources to speak truth, to absorb untruth, not to accept it, but to lovingly deal with it in truth and grace. And it's all because the word has been planted into your heart. That word is a person. It is Jesus Christ that you've accepted by faith. Now, if you're an unbeliever here this morning, you have more options. You can keep looking to yourself. Or you can keep looking to the things of the world that you hope will be that spring of life for you. You can build your own well, so to speak. You can modify or attempt to modify how you speak and how you interact with people. And the best that you're going to get, to use this this metaphor of the water, the best you're going to get is you're going to get a lot of clear fresh water, but it's always going to be tainted by some salt. As Jeremiah says, the the wells that we build, they are broken cisterns. Even if it's a little salty, it's still salty and it won't give life. Because the, the source of the wellspring of life is broken. Only the implanted word can change your heart. So your other choice is to acknowledge your need Realize that no matter how hard you try, doing it on your own is going to be incomplete. And in that incompleteness, you can look to Jesus Christ, who is the living word, who is pure, who is true. And from him, he will pour forth springs of living water. They will flow over you and they will flow into you. And you can experience life. And you will be free. And you will live. But it all boils down to the implanted word. It boils down to Jesus Christ and him crucified. You see, our words matter, brothers and sisters. They work. They do something. Our words direct us. They reveal what's in our hearts. But you know what? The word of God in Jesus Christ overwhelms that and changes us and gives us hope so that we can speak words of life into a world of death. And that is beautiful. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that... um, We thank you that without the bad news, there is no good news. And we thank you that you have come to us in the depths of our own despair. And you have reached out and you've poured forth truth You've softened our hearts so that we can respond and we can desire good. Father, I pray that you would work in all our hearts this morning, regardless of where people stand, that you would strengthen Christians, that you would enable them to speak truth. For those who may not know you, I pray that you would open up their hearts and that you would implant the living word even now. We give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks for your word. And we trust you with it in Jesus' name. Amen.